0: This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I am your teacher for this podcast, Jeremy Myers. This is episode number 90. Getting close to 100. And we're looking at Jonah chapter 4, verse 1 today. In uh, this verse, after Nineveh experiences a citywide revival, as we saw there at the end of Jonah chapter 3, Jonah becomes angry. (laughs) Angry at God. And what do you think about that? Have you ever thought that Jonah should actually be rejoicing? I mean, he went and preached and there's a citywide revival. Why does he get angry? So well, that's what we're going to look at today in our study of Jonah 4-1. And we're going to see that Jonah's response is actually quite natural, normal. In fact, you and I would probably have a similar response in that situation. In fact, maybe we do with such situations today. That's what we're going to see today. And um, by the way, as we dive into Jonah chapter 4, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but I am turning these podcast episodes on Jonah into a book. Actually, it's going to be two books. And the uh, same is true for my podcast episodes on Genesis, by the way, if you really liked those podcast episodes. And um, on these Jonah books, one of them is going to be a novel. <laughs> yeah, the first novel I've ever written. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, if, if you want the inside scoop on these books and to be notified about them when they're published or even maybe to help me publish them, I need some uh, people to help me read to them, find errors, suggest changes, things like that. Uh, you can do that by joining my online discipleship group. Uh, you'll get notifications on these, an invitation to join my advanced reader team, so on. And along with that, of course, you get free access to my uh, online courses and free eBooks and a whole bunch of other resources to help you in your your journey with God and help you follow Jesus and live as the church in the world. So. Uh, if that's something you want to participate in, just go to redeeminggod.com join. There's more information there and also the opportunity to sign up. Redeeminggod.com join. Can't wait to see you there. So let's turn to our study of Jonah chapter 4 verse 1. to hear people say that the book of Jonah is about God's heart for missions, right? Foreign missions. And it is true, that is a theme of the book. I mean, obviously, God does send Jonah over to Nineveh to preach his message to them. Uh, But if that is what the book of Jonah was all about, then the story would have concluded at the end of Jonah chapter 3, right? I mean, if the book of Jonah is about foreign missions, then the story of Jonah would go something like this. Uh, You know, God sends a missionary to preach in a foreign land. Uh, The missionary doesn't really want to, but when he finally does, there's a great revival. Many people are saved the end, right? And and that would only take us up through Jonah chapter three, because that's what happens. But in in the story of Jonah, chapter three is not the end. (laughs) There's still one more chapter to go. And in this final chapter, it's interesting, the city of Nineveh pretty much drops out of focus. I mean, yes, God and Jonah sort of have this discussion about the city, the great city there in chapter 4, but Nineveh itself is never named. And so, uh, as a result, it sort of appears that um, what God wanted to do in Nineveh is not really the point of the story. The story is not about Nineveh or, or, or God's heart for Nineveh or even Jonah's mission to Nineveh, or even what happened in Nineveh. If that was what the story is about, then the story should be over at the end of Jonah chapter 3. And yes, those are important themes, important details in the story, but it is not the main point of the story. Obviously, God loves Nineveh and desires that all people in Nineveh turn and repent from their wicked ways, right? Uh, And it is a story that uh, shares all that. But the story is not only or even primarily about that, all right? And um, it's about God working with another purpose in mind, and to reach that purpose, whatever it is, we're going to see in chapter 4 what that purpose is, to reach that purpose, he wanted the whole city of Nineveh to repent. Okay, so it is a step in the process of what God is actually doing. Sort of like maybe we could think of in Genesis when God used a famine across the Middle East to send one family down to Egypt. All right, so here in Jonah, God is using the repentance of this, uh, you know, roughly maybe 120,000 Ninevites so that he could do something else entirely. Now, what is that something else? What's the purpose of Jonah? Well, that is the question that gets answered here in Jonah chapter 4 as we dive in today. Jonah chapter 4 is where we discover what the book of Jonah is all about. And in fact, uh, as we've been going through Jonah, you may remember there's been lots of questions that have been raised by the text. All of these questions finally find answers in Jonah chapter 4. For example, very early on in the story of Jonah, we were presented with this, uh, you know, when God told Jonah to go preach judgment against Nineveh, Jonah didn't want to. And so the question is, why did Jonah not want to go? Jonah, the the Syrians were the enemies of Israel, the enemies of Jonah, and and you and I would jump at the chance to go preach judgment on our enemies, but Jonah didn't, so why not? And in fact, another troubling question that came up early in Jonah chapter 1 is that rather than obey God and go preach judgment against his enemies, Jonah sort of seemed to want to die himself. Why? Why would Jonah rather die than go preach judgment against his enemies? That question gets answered very quickly in Jonah chapter 4. Not today, but uh, probably next week or the week after. We'll see that. See Jonah's explanation for that. We've seen other questions as we've gone along, uh, questions about the nature of evil and the character of God and repentance, and some of these we've already begun to see answers for uh, earlier in Jonah chapter 3, but, um, but but these questions all finally get resolved in Jonah chapter 4. And as we discover the answers to these questions, we will also discover what the story of Jonah is actually about. So, uh, at the end of Jonah chapter 3, as we saw last time, we learned the surprising truth that God himself repented of the evil that was going to come upon Nineveh. And as a result, the city was not distorted. That's a challenging idea to you. Just go listen to last week's episode as we looked at Jonah 3.10. Now, it's interesting because in response to Nineveh's repentance and the deliverance of of the city by god jonah gets upset that god rescued nineveh from destruction the typical english translation of jonah 4:1 says that jonah was displeased and became angry <laughs> that translation is extremely weak all right here's here's a more literal translation of the hebrew text of jonah 4:1 here, here it is this was evil to Jonah, greatly evil, and he became furious, all right? <laughs> um, this is, So this isn't simple irritation. Jonah just isn't irritated at God. The text indicates Jonah hated what God had done, all right? He found it loathsome. <laughs> ah, that's some really deep irony here in the text, actually. Remember, as I indicated just a minute or two ago, one of the main questions in the book of Jonah is regarding evil. What is the nature of evil? And earlier in Jonah chapter 3, remember, we sort of had this uh, perspective on evil. The, the king of Nineveh said or thought, indicated that it would be evil for God to destroy the city. Uh, there was this indication that the people of Nineveh were turning from their evil, which was uh, identified as violence. They turned from the evil, or repented of their violence. That was 3.8. All right. And the king of Nineveh hoped that since they had turned from their evil, their violence, that God would turn from his evil, from his violence. All right. And indeed, that is exactly what God does in verse 10. So we see over and over, sort of this description of evil and violence and so on. And and, uh, they stopped their violence, so God stopped his. All right. And, And so we see this description of evil and violence. And here, so here in verse one, we're shocked and discover, shocked to discover what Jonah thinks of as evil. He thinks that it is evil for God to not destroy the city. All right, when God relented, when God stopped the destruction of Nineveh because it would be evil, Jonah says, no, (laughs) it would be evil to save the city from destruction. In other words, Jonah believes it would have been righteous for God to destroy the city. And since God did not destroy it, well, that was evil. Jonah's sort of accusing God of evil here because God did not destroy the city. In fact, uh, Jonah's attitude here uh, really would have reflected the same attitude of many of the Israelite people at the time. Because remember, they were enemies. Ninevite people were evil and violent. And so they should be destroyed. So do not destroy them. That would be evil. So who is right? So in the span of a few verses, we have the king of Nineveh. Say one thing is evil, we have this description of evil, of God turning from evil. And uh, Jonah is saying something is evil, and they're all sort of saying something something different is evil. And uh, Jonah's view of evil uh, is quite different from that of God's or the king of Nineveh, in a sense. It's interesting, the king of Nineveh and God sort of have the same view of evil, that it would be evil to destroy the people of Nineveh. But Jonah says, no, it's evil to not destroy them. All right, it's, it's interesting here that God <clears throat> is disagreeing with his own prophet about what is evil here. Or maybe we should say Jonah, the prophet of God, is disagreeing with his own God about what's evil. All right, now it's a, we can understand a little bit why Jonah responds this way. Remember, Israel and Assyria were rivals uh, in a contest that would leave only one nation surviving. Remember, Jonah was a popular prophet in Israel. He prophesied that Israel's borders would expand, and they did. And so if it appears, as it does now, that he's actually helping his enemy, the Assyrians, then his, his career is over. And, and, and besides that, the Ninevites are just wicked and cruel and, and violent. And so, you know, Jonah probably hated them, probably hated what they did. And so he was hoping that God would destroy Nineveh. And lest we think that Jonah is just being sadistic and cruel, let's, uh, you know, it might be wise to stop and consider whom we think should be killed or destroyed by by God. We say, oh, how could he wish death and destruction on the Assyrians, on the Ninevites? Well, let's turn it around a little bit. Uh, if you have ever thought that a certain group of people, you know, maybe terrorists... Or Nazis should all be killed by God. Well, I imagine that you would join Jonah in his anger if God said, "Uh, No, they said they were sorry. I'll I'll let them live. (laughs) Right? We have this huge debate here in the United States right now about Nazis. And uh, I imagine there's a group of people that says all Nazis should be killed, okay? And so if God invited you to go preach judgment on the Nazis, and you did, and then they all said, okay, okay, we're sorry. And so God didn't destroy them as he told you to tell them, wouldn't you be a little upset? That's sort of what is happening here with Jonah, God is, Jonah is upset that God didn't destroy the evil, wicked people that God told him to announce judgment upon. You know, let's, let's bring it down a little bit more close to home a little bit, or maybe not close to home, but something that all of us agree on. What about if it was rapists and child molesters? Don't you think that they deserve judgment and death and pain and torture and eternal suffering in hell? I think most people do sort of think that. So what if God just let them off the hook? Eh, they said they were sorry. God, that's, that's not enough. Look what they've done. Can't just let them go because they said they were sorry. So what? John Walton points out in his commentary that it's, a, it's a theological scandal here. That that God should offer compassion so readily. Sort of seems that Yahweh can be bought off here by people saying they were sorry. In fact, um, it sort of makes God out to be a divine enabler, doesn't it? What God? They're so evil. Look at all this harm and violence and wicked stuff they've done. And so, what if they've said they're sorry? Look, it's not going to stick. God, you and I know that they're going to go back to their wicked ways. Right? That's at what Jonah is feeling, and I think to some degree you and I. Can agree. By the way, Jonah is also probably likely aware of some prophecies from Amos and Hosea that Assyria was going to come and destroy Israel. And so, by not destroying the city of Nineveh, God has basically just assured the destruction of Israel. This whole argument they're just going to come hurt us, God. (laughs) You can't, don't you love us? Why aren't you going to do something about them? The prophecies are that they're going to come destroy us. And if you don't destroy them, then you're picking them over us. God is by not destroying Nineveh, God has basically assured the destruction of Israel. So this is what Jonah is upset about. The God of Israel seems to prefer Assyria over Israel. So, anyway, for all these reasons and, and more, Jonah feels betrayed, right? Uh he, he's probably not going to be very receive a very warm welcome back in Israel when he returns. So he's lost his ministry, his his uh prophetic role. He's helped the enemy. And besides that, he's letting these wicked, violent people get off scot-free. That's what God is doing. So <laughs> Jonah, he, he, you know, he sort of obeyed God and did what God wanted, but, but now God is not doing what Jonah wanted. What, what, from Jonah's perspective, God is not doing what is right. That's why he says his was evil. This is greatly evil to Jonah. And then the text says that he became furious. Uh, this, this word for uh, furious means uh, very angry, indignant. Um, it's very close to the phrase that the king used in 3.9 to describe God. Um, you know, maybe God will turn from his anger, okay? Note, though, that the only person who is furious or angry, indignant, upset in the text so far is Jonah himself. All right, the king thought God was angry, uh, but we haven't seen any evidence of that from the text, actually. Jonah's the only angry one in the text. And uh, the fact that 3 9 sort of raises the question of whether or not God is angry, and then 4 1 shows that Jonah is the angry one. There's a really important biblical truth here that uh, we humans, it's we humans who think God is angry and violent, wrathful. Uh, but that's just because we are angry and violent and wrathful. Really important truth there about the wrath of God for you to think about. Uh, as you study the wrath of God in Scripture. And I'll be talking more about the wrath of God in my Gospel Dictionary online course for those of you who are taking that course. Of course, that's a W. <laughs> I just put up uh, election and eternal life this week, so we're a little bit away ways from W, but we'll get there eventually. Anyway, uh, verses 2 and 3 show what God is really like, and we'll start to study that next week. Uh, God is not angry at all. Only Jonah is angry. And that's what we see here. But uh, there, there's one one last critical point, one last critical detail from verse 1 that I want you to recognize. The phrase used to describe Jonah's anger here in the Hebrew, harah, uh, it, it's used in various places to describe how people get angry at the perceived injustice of God. When God doesn't do what we think he should be doing, This word here, that that Jonah is used to describe the fury of Jonah, this is a a similar word that's used elsewhere, okay? Um, But, various places in the Old Testament. The most well-known one of these, though, is one we've already talked about in this one-verse podcast. It is almost the exact phrase used in Genesis 4, verse 5, where Cain becomes angry. Uh, You remember the story, especially if you've listened to the podcast episodes. Uh, Both Cain and Abel bring an offering to God. Uh, Abel brings an offering of milk and cheese, not a dead animal. Go listen to the podcast episode. He he brings milk and cheese, and uh, Cain brings an offering of fruit. And uh, so uh, when when God accepts Abel's offering rather than Cain's, again, I explain why in the podcast episodes, uh, the text says that Cain became angry. Or furious. It's the same word used there as used here in Jonah 4.1. All right. And 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 after this, when God sees the anger of Cain, God warns Cain to keep his anger in check before it leads him into sin. First mention of sin in the Bible. Okay, and we know what happens. Cain ignores God's warning, lets his anger, his fury, get the best of him, and he murders his brother Abel. So, uh, at this point in the story, here in Jonah anyway, okay, if we recognize that symbolism, then we should recognize what could be happening next. Okay, When Cain got angry, God came and warned Cain of what was about to happen if he didn't keep his anger in check. And so we should expect something similar, for God to say something similar to Jonah. And since... This word here is an indication pointing us back to the story of Cain and Abel, and we should expect further themes about Cain and Abel to be brought out here as well. In fact, we will. In fact, one of the main themes I can just point out here is that since Jonah is playing the part of Cain, that means that Jonah's rival is playing the part of Abel. Hmm, who's Jonah's rival? Well, it's Nineveh, which means, by the way, that. Israel, or Jonah, represented by Jonah here, Israel and Assyria are brothers, just like Cain and Abel. The story of Jonah is a sibling rivalry story all over again. In fact, that's what we've been pointing out all along. The two nations are in rivalry with each other. They're growing in power and prominence and violence and war is coming. Okay, But despite what they think, From God's perspective, the two nations are not enemies, but brothers. And these brothers are in rivalry. They're vying for power and prominence in the region. And as we have been seeing all the way through the text, there have been offerings given to God in the text. Uh, way back in chapter one, the sailors gave a thank offering to God for, for letting them not drown. Um, the, the people of Nineveh in chapter three, uh, have offered repentance from evil to God. We don't read that they've offered any sort of sacrifices. Okay. But, uh, that wasn't actually happening in Genesis chapter four either. um, and, and, and God accepted the offerings of the sailors, and God accepted the offering of repentance from the people of Nineveh, kept them from facing destruction. Jonah, by the way, has also made offerings, just like Cain. <laughs> but so far, God has not accepted his offerings. What was his offerings? Well, he had an offering of praise and thanksgiving in Jonah chapter 2. Remember, we talked about that. Many of the terms... Uh, that were used to describe his prayer in Jonah chapter 2 are related to thank offerings and prayer offerings uh from from various places in the Old Testament but but uh God um Also, by the way, remember earlier in Jonah chapter 1, there was a a shocking offering there that Jonah told the sailors to give to God, which was what? Human sacrifice. (laughs) And uh, God didn't want that, but that's what Jonah told them God wanted. Really some bad theology there. Okay, so you see these offerings, various offerings are being offered up all over the place in Jonah, and God is continually accepting the offerings of the sailors and of the Ninevites while rejecting the offerings of Jonah. Very much like the Cain and Abel story. And of course, now in Jonah chapter, or earlier in Jonah chapter 3, Jonah made an offering of half-hearted obedience. Fine, God, I'll go preach to them. All right. And God did work through that offering. Okay. But God does not allow Jonah's prophecy of destruction on Nineveh to come true. So now Jonah, just like Cain, becomes furious. Alright, so we're alert readers. We're looking for clues, more clues in the text to finish this story of Cain and Abel. And we should expect that God and Jonah now have a little discussion about Jonah's anger, just as God did with Cain in Genesis chapter 4. God's going to warn Jonah, we can imagine, where his anger will lead if he does not master it. In fact that is exactly what we begin to see in verses 2 and 3 which we will look at next time. And really the question going forward is is just as Cain murdered his brother Abel what will Jonah do? Is he going to seek the murder and destruction of his brother Assyria? Well, yes he does. Just sort of ruin the story a little bit as we go forward, but um how Jonah responds in his anger. That's what we're going to begin to see next time in Jonah 4-2. He's, he's going to have a little talk with God. And unlike what we saw in Jonah chapter 2, this is the first time Jonah is really honest with God. We finally get an honest prayer from Jonah. And we're finally going to see what Jonah actually thinks. What is actually going on inside his head. So uh, make sure you join us in next week's study in Jonah chapter 4-2 as we pick back... The- Pick it back up there. But between now and then, look, if you want to keep updated about the progress of my books on Jonah, or even I would love some help in getting them published, if you want to join my advanced reader team, maybe you just want to learn more about God's grace, how you can view other people, or maybe something's more practical about how to pray. Maybe your interests are theological. You want to learn about the doctrine of election or how to know that you have eternal life, something like that. Maybe uh, you're interested in the church, how to be the church in the world, how the church should exist and grow and function. Look, all of this can be found in my online discipleship course, and uh, you can sort of take your own interests and follow them where they lead. Got to join the community first of all, though, and just go to redeeminggod.com/join. You get a bunch of free eBooks, online courses, other materials, also uh, an invitation to join my private Facebook group. Anyway, all of that is there, and I can't wait wait to see you there. Also can't wait to see you back here next time as we pick back up in Jonah 4, verse 2. So until then, keep following Jesus wherever it is he leads.